Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. You can watch your favorite shows here on ESPN 1000 on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. And, of course, we're on the ESPN Chicago app and 100.3 HD2. The sun is coming out on a Sunday. Here on ESPN 1000 in the State Street studio, we've got phone calls to get to. But I'll tell you something. uh, Our last caller brought up what happened to uh, Jimenez yesterday. Not once, but twice. They're paying attention there over in Cleveland to the fact that Aloy is not quick on the ball. Is it his legs? What is it? I was worried when he was trotting around the bases for the home run, Brian. It's like, mm-hmm. is he going to throw off a hamstring or something? <laughs> and, I, and after what I saw yesterday, you know, they, they obviously are looking at the scouting report, and they, they took two on him twice. I don't need to see. And last year, I was like, you know, let the kid play left field. I'm done. I, you know, he's a DH. He's a DH, and I know he's not going to like it. But uh, for me, as a fan, we need his bat more than we need him in the field. And yeah, and I, I'm done seeing him in the field. I'm good. Look, and I, I get you. You know, you got a doubleheader and and four games in three days. I I was a little surprised this this quickly that he'd be back out there. Right? I mm-hmm. thought for sure they were going to. And I thought I actually heard uh, Tony and Rick talk about that. Yeah, there he is. And you're right. Uh, teams are the the, the scouts going to tell you go ahead take that extra base until he can make a play and make a throw and make us stop doing that. And and, we'll and the second time playing. Anderson dropped it, he would have been out. Yeah, well, that's... You would have thrown him out, and Anderson been, had the problem, yeah. So. That's been Tim Anderson yep. more often yep. than it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, right. And uh, the, you know, we were talking about the lack of swagger this year. I mean, uh, Tim's feeling it. He's not having a great year. And I guess it's hard to have swagger when he can't back it up. And him being the leader, quote-unquote, you know, it's it's been a tough year on everybody, and we're looking for answers, and there's just so many issues that pop up, inconsistency and such. Ron is on the south side jumping in with Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. Hey, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, let me make three quick points. You had a caller that said that the White Sox could probably trade Pollock and Quato to get some prospect. You're not going to get anybody for them. You, you, no. I, yeah, I, and, and Quato has looked pretty good. And he brought but, uh, he brought up Grandal too. Your Netflix, you're not getting, you're you're not getting anything not getting for him. Absolutely. Not that contract. Nope. No, no. So that's but and, and, and then somebody. No, I think the same caller mentioned the white flag trade. Here's the biggest difference. When they when Jerry Reindor said the White Sox were not going to catch Cleveland, Cleveland was a good team. That was a good team. So mm. okay, fine. I, I can't accept it. If he threw the town in on the worst division in baseball, and, and, and Minnesota and Cleveland are not good teams, so you're definitely not going to do that because you did that. You and it would be a disaster not only for this year, even going into next season. So that's not an option. Lastly, uh, I know you all said Jesse Rogers said they're going to probably be a, a buyer. Here's why the Sox are in a dilemma. The, the Sox don't have a number one a, a prospect in the top 100. So I don't know what you're going to get. The problem is, and, and, and you know, in Chicago, I'm one of the you know, great Sox fans, was optimistic. But it was it went only locally. Nationally, this team was picked to 
at least maybe get to the championship. They just have been, and I know people can br- blame La Russa, They can blame Rick Hahn. These guys have just not played up to their uh, potential. That's they, right. They that is absolutely this, right. This yep. year. Because nobody could be that wrong. And again, uh, national experts were picking up. If they played near uh, up to their level, they'd have this division locked up. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Ron. I always appreciate it. You know, Ron's right. I mean, that's the... Look, there are just so many little issues, but if you're looking for an overall umbrella... Yeah, you know, uh, to uh, you know, to cover everything and say, okay, this is probably the most way, uh, best way to generalize this season. The players have the talent; they have not played to their potential consistently, and and, uh, and you and you can't blame Larusa for that. Well, and you heard Ozzy say, you know, the media is soft in this town when because they didn't follow up on the the Tony question about when they were in Cleveland about walking Ramirez intentionally on a strike and then not walking him and he kills you in the d- doubleheader and. Um, Billy Connors years ago when I was covering the Cubs said that the media is soft and he's obviously from the Yankees in New York. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you never go after the players. So we've heard today that LaRusse is handcuffed and we've heard Rick Hahn's handcuffed and, you know, Jerry's running the show. So Tony's not going anywhere. But ultimately, I'm with you, Mark. The players need to get this job done. And I don't know, you know, what uh, the questions you can ask these these players to to jumpstart them or, you know, make media makes noise or the fans make noise, but the fire Tony chance deserved at times. Certainly that, you know, the players ultimately have to look in the mirror and say, we are not, we have not delivered nearly consistently enough and we've got to be a hell of a lot better. Even if you had questions about this team, they should still be in the lead of this division by a couple games. Yep. And then the question should be, are we good enough to compete against the Yankees in Houston and maybe Seattle? But, I mean, this division, as our callers are pointing out, is it's, it's there for the taking now, but it's even in an inconsistent Sox team, you should be on top of the division. And even then... Actually, going, easily. Yes. And then you could have questions going to August 2nd about what are you going to do to make sure that you go to that next level to compete in the playoffs rather than just get there. Absolutely. And, and right, it's too easy to fire off the, the chance to get rid of Tony, but... The players have not brought it. Now, okay, we can question Tony's moves, right? We can say, why did you put Lauri in left field? I know the kid wants to play in left field, but you're the damn manager. Yeah, You could tell him, you're a DH. That's yep. what it is. That's it. You know what? You will play left field sparingly. You mean but your glove is going to get yeah. a rest, yeah. and your bat is going to work harder than your glove, and that's just the way it is. Now, you can question a lot of his different moves, and how many equate to losses? Or how many equate to wins? I don't know. It, we, it we, we have to do a deep dive. But in the end, it's the players that are playing it the game. Ex- yeah, it, it, whatever moves he made or didn't make or what he should have done or did do, it doesn't equate to the losing record at home. And it doesn't equate to the losing record against good teams. Uh, you can you know question pitching and how he handles the bullpen and lineups. And that's all fair game. And we've done it too, and we will continue to do it. But when it's all said and done, this is an underachieving team. Yes, it is. 312-332-3776. George in River Grove. What up, George? How are you guys doing? Good. I don't know who it was talking about potential, but potential don't get you nothing. It might get your name on the contract, but after that, you're on your own. That's right. What is wrong with this? You want to know what's wrong with the White Sox? Yeah. The same thing that's wrong 
The same thing that's wrong with every other team, every other player in Major League Baseball. Number one, they never got the memo that at the highest level, your best effort is required at all times, not just when you feel like it. And that's the difference between the Indians and the White Sox. That play Guardians. where the man is uh, threw a rainbow in the second base, and I don't know the guy's name, but he hit the ball. He put his head down. He busted his ass out of the box. He ran at full speed around first base. Then he looked up to see what was going on, and he said, I can beat this throw. And that's the difference between the winners and the losers. And anyone that thinks the White Sox are World Series material should seek, number one, give me some of whatever you're smoking because you got the really good stuff. And number two, seek <laughs> professional help for your delusional psychosis, which is the greatest pandemic on this planet. <laughs> Thank you, George. We appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Um, you know, fandom can make you crazy, can oh, yeah. it? That's it just we... can make you crazy. And that's why we do it, because we wait for... It makes for... you feel. It, it makes, makes you feel, feel. right. And, and not all of it is going to be good. And this year, yeah. there's been more bad than good for the Southsiders. That's because we had such high expectations. Well, look, and Stephen Kwan said it after the first game of the series. He said, I think it's Cleveland baseball. I mean, we may not hit home runs every time, but we're going to get uh, find a way to get on. We're going to take the extra bag. We're going to work counts, kind of stuff like that, that Tito, their manager, Terry Francona, mm-hmm. that, that he preaches. So, you know, that Theo talked about the, having uh, developing the Cubs way, and people scoffed and laughed because it was year one of the rebuild. But he talked about throughout the organization, and Rick Hahn likes this too, at every level, whether it's the White Sox or Cubs, winning organizations – preach the same things and demand the same consistency and the same fundamental baseball at every level. So when you get to the major league level, you know what the effort needed is and you deliver it, but you also know more often than not how to play the game. Um, You can't make that case for this team. So Cleveland obviously is not just talking about it. Every time you, you know, you watch them play baseball, you're like, that's what it looks like. Yep. Absolutely. 312-332-3776. They play the game right. They're consistent. They, you know, are they playing over their head talent-wise? No, they're just making the best of the talent that they have. And they're not, aside from Jose Ramirez, they're not big names. Yeah, and we, we've talked about their payroll, but they're getting the most out of the players. They're playing right, and they're playing consistent. And they're not, you know, they're not much better record-wise than the White Sox. It's just glaring because the White Sox should have been so much Better. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We do have uh, pre and post with Jesse Rogers, the Guardians and the White Sox of one ten here on your home for the White Sox. ESPN one thousand. Kurt Bloom, double A announcer, calling his first big league game. So that would be kind of cool. So make sure you you know stick with us. We're here until twelve thirty. We're going to talk about the Bears. You're awfully revved up about uh, your time at Country Thunder over the weekend. I know you had your camper out there, Brian, and and you were partying with your with your hat on. You had your big pickup with the, uh, the with, with the to... big tires and the flags. Right? Is that what you're pulling around the camper you know, with? You've got me painted. I mean, you know, you nailed it right there. <laughs> um, I'm I'm saving you a spot at Lollapalooza Thursday for Metallica. We got to get you out there. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said Metallica. It's not Motley Crue. It's Metallica. I know. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. We got thoughts on music too. Yeah, we'll do that and more here on ESPN 1000. 
Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Back to it here on ESPN1000. Brian Hanley, Mark Zander. Boy, Brian, as much as we're talking about the White Sox and, uh, you know, dealing with disappointed fans, at least we're not the Red Sox. Did you see the final score a couple Ooh, days ago? 28? Seriously, five? I looked at it and I thought, this has got to be a mistake. So I went somewhere else on the A&I, you know, I saw it on Twitter or whatever. So I had to go double check it. It's like, that's, that's, that's got to be a mistake, right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was like... At you know, Fenway. Cubs, at Fenway. I mean, it's like the Cubs beating the Phillies 15-2. to two. I you know, was like, wait a minute. That's not supposed to happen, even even though the Phillies are on their second manager. It's these Cubs. Yeah, 28. It, it's 28. Uh, 28. Yeah. The Bears don't often score 28. Yeah. it's um, And they well, get, you know, that's six at a uh, time. Well, and the Bears, by the way, field. opening up. Uh, so the rookies reported yesterday to Hallis Hall. No more Bourbon A. Training camp at Hallis Hall. And the veterans going to report on Tuesday, correct? And mm-hmm. um, I guess the question is, uh, well, we know Brisker's not there, which was a surprise. Uh, Dan Weeder, our guy from the Tribune, reported, I think it was on Friday, that it's uh, it's officially a contract holdout. There's a uh, discrepancy on what he and his representation believe he needs in his four-year contract versus what apparently the uh, Bears are offering right now. This is disappointing because... Everyone who's seen Brisker in the um, OTAs and off-season stuff really like what they've seen and think that he'll help uh, appreciably in that secondary, right? Right. Um, but this is so – we'll get to Robert Quinn in a second because I don't know what to make of this guy. You talk about frustrating. Um, he'd be on the top of my list. But according to our guy Josh Schrock at the NBC Sports Chicago, we enjoyed our conversation last week with Josh, covers the Bears, um, said that the – and Dan Weeder reported this. The the sticking point is the amount of guaranteed money in the third year of Brisker's four year contract is rookie contract. And Josh writes, um, they haven't come close to a, to a number for guaranteed money in the third year. And he said, for comparison, the New England Patriots drafted wide receiver uh, to, to Quan Thornton two picks after Brisker, and the Patriots gave him exactly no dollars guaranteed in the third year to, of his deal. No guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Now, Fedarian Mathis was drafted one pick before Brisker and received 111000 guaranteed. Odd number, 111. I don't know how you get to there. 111000 Maybe something superstitious. Yeah, right. But Washington guaranteed in that. So somewhere between zero and 111000 would seem to be the number, which, I mean, really, we're talking NFL money, right? They're going to hey, it sounds you. easy to do. I mean, it sounds like something you can, you know, pull out of the pocket and say, "Will this do it?" Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I would think it has to be closer to one hundred eleven thousand than zero. And I don't know how uh, Thornton's agents let him go for zero guaranteed in the third year. You might want to get new representation, right? But really, in the NFL scheme of things, any professional sport, I mean, that's not that's I'd say lunch money, but that might not you might be eating uh, on a diet at that point. Um, you would think this is going to get done, but apparently it's nowhere close to getting done. And then you have Robert Quinn, who's making a gazillion dollars, and last year actually earned it because he had uh, a uh, record 18 and a half sacks for the season. It came out it, of nowhere. It's what we expected the year before. When I mean, you're giving him the, the $30 million guaranteed the year before, and he gave, gave you nothing. And then he talked about 
you know, wasn't in a good mental space and last year was so much better. And now apparently he doesn't want anything to do with the rebuild. Okay. Although he's under contract. So does he show up on Tuesday or if he doesn't show up, then he's basically telling the telling, uh, you know, polls and everybody. He's backing backing up with his uh, actions. His yeah, words. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, he he because he blew off all this, even the mandatory stuff a month ago, right? right? And he paid the fine. Who cares with that kind of money? He doesn't care. But if he doesn't show up Tuesday, then it's just a middle finger to the team, and you better get rid of me, no matter what that does to to your salary cap or anything else. I'm not coming. Um, but I, I assume you can just you know start finding him and and not paying him. But I, I, this guy, I mean, he obviously has the talent when, when he's right mentally and physically. He's out there getting to the quarterback. But I, 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 if, if he doesn't want to be here, then I don't want him here. Well, us normal people would just like people to honor contracts because, you know what, us normal people would have to honor a contract if we're signed. Yeah. We have yeah, to show that, up. We have to do our work. That's how it goes. And so we have a Twitter poll question because Patrick Finley in the Sun-Times listed the 10 most important uh, Bears going into training camp, and obviously Justin Fields is number one on his list and everyone else's list. Yeah, but uh, anyone not named Justin Fields, who's the most important? And alphabetically, I believe we went with Jalen Johnson, um, David Montgomery, uh, Darnell Mooney, and Roquan Smith. Who's the most important? And that Twitter poll is out there: ESPN one thousand at Brian Hanley five three four at Xander Rocker one R in the middle. Yep, one and. Interested to hear from you because, you know, we know expectations are not high for these Bears, but individually they are going to be, if not high, they're certainly going to be focused on some of these Bears. And we can go through a number that Patrick Finley went through. I mostly agreed with his list. I had one or two that I seriously did not agree with. Um, And, you know, we can go through that before we get out of here at 1230. We actually have Bear fan Bob. He's out on the boat fishing. Hey, Bob. What, what are you catching oh, today? What are you catching today, buddy? Uh, let's see. We already got one crappie and one bluegill in there. Okay. In, okay. in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I was fishing a little bit on Lake Elizabeth because I live up here. Yeah, yeah. Nice, I love that. I, yeah, I love that place. We, we were listening, and I just thought I would call in. And Interesting question. But I think the guys that they were mentioning in the Patrick Finley article, you already know what they're going to do. We get that. So why don't you go with somebody new and somebody different? How about one of the guys on the roster you probably want to see might work out would be that new receiver they just got out of New England. This kid could be a difference maker if he works out. You know, I, I, I looked at Brian Poles, and the more I thought about it, the more I really like it. You know, you got a potential number one if he works out in the system. Because he was a number one. Yeah, he was a number one who mm-hmm. didn't pan out in New England, so it, it's the, the low-risk, low hopefully high-reward type pickup, well, right? Well, that's right. Yeah, the more I looked at it, the more I think Ryan Poles is really doing his job. I mean, it's kind of nice to see a GM looking for stuff like this and not uh, mortgaging off the future and picking guys like this up, you know, and seeing throwing stuff up on the wall and see what sticks. Well, I it, really like it. Yeah, you're right, Bob. Uh, you know, the work is really done when when you're finding these jewels that nobody else right. is recognizing and being able to bring them in and build a team because you can't pay top price for every position. You, you can't don't do have it. The, no, you don't have the capital. And then I thought about right. this. And then I thought about Eberflus. And here's, here's what I thought. You find out how good a coach really is when your team is supposed to be, you know, like number 30th roster in the NFL or the team's supposed to suck, if this guy is going to be any good, he should be able to coach these players up because at the professional NFL level, 
They should all be able to play and AKA next man up. You know, Yurko's yeah. absolutely right every time you hear him say next man up. Well, you got an NFL contract. Let's see it. And when it comes to the coaching, we've already seen the naggy excrement show. Well, let's see what Eberflus can do. Guys, those are my thoughts, and it's time to go fishing. All right, back to your crappie. Enjoy. Yourself another crappie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're That's fun. Crappie. They're fun. Uh, crappies are fun to catch. Are they? So, uh, yeah, they are. Uh, so, on of these that you mentioned, uh, Bob wanted to get back to fishing. Um, I was going to run these by him, but uh, the Twitter poll: Jalen Johnson, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, Roquan, uh, Roquan Smith. Who's the most important bear other than Justin Fields this year? What is your pick? Brian, uh, out of those well, four. I, I, I have a pick, and if you want to join the conversation, 312-332-3776. Maybe you know, Twitter only limits us to four, so maybe you have someone you want to, you want uh, to add write to that in. list. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Roquan Smith is going to get paid because he is their best player, um, but I don't – the fact it's all to me about Justin Fields, which means it's all about the offense. That's right. Which means, yeah. So it, it, to me it's Darnell Mooney. I'm, no. I am right with you. I thought yeah. the, the exact same thing. We uh, we know what Roquan is, and yep. and and God bless him for it. I mean, you know, in a in a long line of uh, stout linebackers with this franchise, yep. he's just another one. But we need the the offense. We need to see what Darnell can do because last year, under the guise and leadership of the previous regime, we can't count on any of that. So what happens this year? How important is he going to be, and is Justin going to be able to get to him to make a real difference in games? And to, and to bear fan Bob's point, um, with Eberflus, one thing you would like to see about the defense, and I'm with you, I, I, we know what Roquan Smith is about, and if we're going to have to figure out the money to pay him, and they, they will. Um, Eberflus... As a defensive coordinator at Indianapolis, his defenses were top 10 in takeaways each of the last four seasons. That is something. Now, Lovey used to preach this to yeah. the point where the players would say it anytime they were interviewed, right? And you had the peanut punch. You had guys who actually you know, came and up. And that was exciting. And I'm looking forward to getting back right. to some of that. Well, you need to get back. Yep. You, because whatever the defense is going to do, get to the quarterback or not, you got to start giving Justin Fields more opportunity, and you do that by taking the ball away, too. And you can't – I mean, the, the year that they – that my God, Ryan Pace was executive of the year, and Matt Nagy was coach of the year. <laughs> Can you believe that happened in well, history? Well, because they had 38 takeaways. Okay, I, know, I, know. I mean, that, that, that wasn't some sort of fluky number. That was the reason. So you, you're not, maybe not going to get there, but you need to start – thinking about getting to that type of elite defense and that isn't a one-year deal either but well we'll you know go through it eddie jackson and these guys oh my god you talk about guys stealing money um they have to be better but that goes on to Iberfus. can he instill that mindset and that culture and then actually draw up defenses with his defensive staff to let the players go out and execute and start taking the ball away well, we're two days away from the vets uh, reporting to training camp, so we're we're getting it on. We're we're moving. We're moving. We're getting ever closer. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're going to have Jesse Rogers jump on with us, Brian. He's going to be on the uh, pre and post for the Guardians White Sox today at one ten. We'll talk to Jesse next. I guess uh, there was a uh, morning chat with Tony Larusa with the press. We'll see what uh, Tony had to say about maybe even uh, swapping out at the last minute Harrison for Garcia. You know, I'm a big fan of that. 
Um, uh, well, actually, Always. Garcia for Harrison. Yeah, yeah I, I had that day. backwards. Yeah. See, that would have made my day if Leary <laughs> is in and they put Harrison in. But I digress. We're taking a break. We'll come back. We'll get with uh, Jesse Rogers here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000 from the old National Bank studio. Jesse Rogers from ESPN.com and ESPN 1000 jumps in here to talk baseball. Hey, Jess. Hey How you guys. doing today, pal? Good morning. Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well over at the park already. We've got the game coming up in an hour. I'll do the pregame at 1230. Yep. And uh, Tony just spoke. It's, it's kind of a nice day for once, right? The, the sun is not is not out. It's been so hot and humid around here. Mostly hot, but not, not, not as much humid. It's going to be so a humid day today, right? Yeah, I believe. Well, for sure. So yeah. far, it feels nice. Being, okay. I was just out on the field. It, it, a nice little breeze. It feels nice. Maybe it's going to warm up. But I've been used to just like, you know, the 90-degree the, the heat and, and, and standing out there watching BP. It kind of feels nice this morning. It feels like a relaxed Sunday morning with a nice breeze going How, on. How's there. Tony's mood today? He actually was upbeat. He wasn't tired or anything like that. Like, he was he was upbeat. I mean, they, they, they had a nice win last night. They certainly needed it. Yeah. They've, they've become kind of predictable. I, I think I have this right. Since April 21st, I believe that's the date, they've been no better than one over 500 and no worse than five under. So they've been in that six-game range for a long time. And I'm, I was out with Sylvie last night, and uh, as, as you as as you are with your wives, you put on the the Sox game on your phone during dinner. That's the <laughs> right. And and we it was the second game, obviously, and, and they were trailing, and we just both looked at each other like they're going to win this one because they don't, you know, they don't really go on bad streaks one way or the or good streaks the other way very often, right? It's <laughs> right. it's so weird. They've become kind of predictable. It just felt like they were going to win. Maddening last night. is what it is. Yeah. Well, the, and, the problem is, did. I think I think that. The two only two days that they've been a game over five hundred in that span. Yeah. So it's been mostly the three or four or five under five hundred. That's where they've been living. That's where they take up residence. They can't not only get over five hundred, but then start building upon that. And you know, Jess, we were talking about this earlier on Twitter. You see it. Fans said, "Boy, even after the split, fans were on Twitter saying, I hate this team.'" And it's that's a very strong word for a team that's still very live in this division. And you told us last week or, or a couple of weeks ago that there'll be a buyer by August 2nd. But hate, it's just everyone's telling us via phone and text today or tweet today that every time they get we get sucked back in, they have a clunker of a game or two. And then you're back being three or four under. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you just described it the right way. The, the, the problem with the team is there's just too many deficiencies in major categories. And spread all over the place. Yeah, it's spread all over. And I keep saying the path to to greatness for them is got to be on that starting staff. And it just keeps, you know, halting. Today's their ace. You know, this is the one you got to win with Dylan Cease on the mound. Of course, Bieber's pretty good over on the other side. But it's like Giolito looked like he turned things around, and then he has a clunker. Mm-hmm. Lynn, Lynn actually pitched well, but, you know, he had been – putting up clunkers before uh, before yesterday. So it just feels like every time they get going um, in all categories, but especially on the mound, something halts them. And I, I just don't know if they can fix their offensive problems, their defensive problems, or even their base running problems this season or this trade deadline. But one thing they can do better, and, and I, I think, is their starting pitching. I think that can be better, but it hasn't really showed up in a, in a serious manner, at least night in and night out. 
and that's why they're stuck a game under 500. And, Jess, uh, we've seen a name pop up, an old uh, friend, Jose Quintana. That's popped up on social media. I don't know if it has any legs. He's pitching for Pittsburgh. He's having a decent year this year, but not as good as uh, his years early on with the White Sox. Is that something that you think is uh, certainly not for season alloy? Yeah. <laughs> but is, is, that, is that something that uh, you think Han may be looking at? Well, I, I, look, that would be inventory. That would be just an extra body. Mm. Um, that, that's not Luis Castillo who makes you better. Yeah. Quintana doesn't necessarily make you better. He, what, who's, he, is he going to replace Lance Lynn in the, in the rotate? Who's, you're right, he's not going to replace someone. Maybe he gives you some innings because you want to re, re, reduce Kopech's workload or something. But that doesn't put you over the top. That's just an inventory move. So if you're asking me about an inventory move, sure, they know him. His best years were here. Okay, inventory, great. Because you, 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 but do you, you think they'll know. do more of an more than an inventory? No, move. I actually don't think they're okay. going to do that okay. much more than inventory moves. Um, now, middle relief—that's more than inventory. That could be high leverage needed type of guys. Uh, you can't pitch Graveman every night. Kelly's been up and down. So, um, but but are, are they going to go out and uh, get the best hitter on the market, the best starting pitcher? Of course not. Um, could they get the best middle reliever, relief pitcher on the market? Sure. They did it last year. They thought they did. You know, a guy that was a closer that they wanted to use in the eighth. It didn't work out, but they went out and got the, a, a big name. So I, I, I could still see that happening. Uh, but if you're not getting Luis Castillo, to me, everything else is kind of inventory because who are you going to replace again in that rotation? Um, probably nobody unless it's someone markedly better than what you have. But middle relief is certainly where you can upgrade, and I, I just don't know if there's that hitter that's going to put them over the top. Um, it would have to be a lefty. We've talked about this before. Um, I just don't know where that – I don't think they're getting Benintendi. I don't know where they'd go for that. But they might get sort of you know an extra lefty bat just, just to fill in. Something because, that you've been preaching. Yeah, and we, and well, we yeah, need. but I just don't think they're going to get, out, get someone that's a difference maker. Right. I think – my point is this. Offensively and starting pitching-wise – I think it has to come from within. And uh, relief-wise, though, I think they can get help from, from the outside. That's my long-winded version of saying that. they really Their stars have to be their stars. I don't think they're fixing anything from the outside. So on the other side of town, we you know I think most everyone believes Wilson Contreras is out the door and traded by August 2nd. Um, how many more guys that matter? I mean, does Hap go? Does... Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, a month or two ago that Stroman could go, and obviously he pitched very well yesterday and is now back healthy, appears. Um, will there, I guess I could phrase it this way. Will the surprises be more on the north side or than the south side when, it, when it's all said and done, the dust settles on trade deadline day? I mean, I guess more on the north side because we kind of, I mean, unless the White Sox trade for Juan Soto, we kind of know what what market they're in. And again, that's mostly middle relief. Um but I'm putting past him to, to find that left-handed bat on the south side. Yeah, no, I think they're going to unload as much as they can. I, I, I said last week, and I'll stick to it, I think it's a better than 50% chance Hap goes. Um, at least, at, at the very least, if you're not signing these guys up, you are going to be trade them, trading them at their peak. Right? Baez and those guys last year weren't exactly at their peak, and they got a good haul. They should get a really good haul for Contreras and Hap because they're having all-star seasons by evidence of them being on the all-star team. So I, I do think there's a uh, – Wilson is definitely gone as of this moment because he hasn't had a contract offer to even turn down. Mm-hmm. You know, Hap has that extra year, so we'll see. Um, all those relievers, though, Michael Givens, David Robertson, Chris Martin, I mean, they all could be gone. So uh, any and all, I should say. 
Um, but I'm not 100% sure on Hap. I, I just have this feeling that why not, if, if you're not signing him up long term, then you may as well trade him at his peak, and that is certainly this year with an extra year of team control. That gets you a nice haul back. So, yeah, that, I think it's, it's, it's kind of the names we expect with Hap. I'm a little unclear on, but definitely Wilson and definitely those start, definitely those relievers. I don't know about those starters. I, I guess there's been enough runway for Stroman now that he's back from injury um, and he's pitched well and he hasn't shown any signs. So I think there might be a chance there as well because the starting pitching market is a little bit thin. Back to the south side, uh, Harrison was pulled last minute for Garcia, and uh, there was something that went out that he had uh, swi- a slight little twinge in uh, yeah. a hammy or something from last night. Yeah, right, hammy. Uh, it was on a swing, but you know he, he recovered enough to finish the game and make that good catch at the yeah. end there. So, um, just a small thing, small tw- tw- uh, you know tweak, and so he's out and Laori's in. I'm sure other people listening that are driving to the park want to know why isn't Vaughn in? Why isn't Grandel in? Well. Grandel's coming off injury, played both ends of a doubleheader. I get that he's not in there today. They want a DH Eloy, so that's that. Get him out of the up. field, please. But Vaughn's the key question, I'm sure. And, and Tony, I'm glad Tony said it very directly. He's like, look, he's one of our best hitters. I want him in there. But he's been playing a lot, and, and granted they had the time off for the All-Star break, but he's played the, the first three games here, and now via doctor, via trainers, whatever, we have to give him a, a little time off. Remember, Vaughn had some of those leg problems. So, But I'm glad Tony stated, look, he's a great hitter. I yeah. want him in there. Right. It just, he, he's, he, he's been told, or we've been told, he, he needs some time off here and there after playing in the doubleheader. So he and Grendel are both off. And I, I get that uh, because nobody wants to win more than the manager, right? And he wants his best hitters in there. So it's not like he... He's choosing to have him off. He he needs to be off. Were there any so questions about uh, uh, j- just real quick? Yeah. Any questions about Jimenez and uh, uh, you know those uh, those extra bases that that were taken on him and and, and uh, what's going on with Luis Robert too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, yeah. Both. So, so we'll talk about both. Luis Robert was on the field again today. He was there on the field yesterday pregame, so that's good. Symptoms are subsiding. You know, they put him on the IL just a precaution, just to give him those extra days. He's eligible, I think, on Friday. It sounds like he'll come off that day if things progress the same way they are. And right now, no real diagnosis. Had that blurred vision, lightheadedness, but nobody really knows why. I've seen this pop up with players in the past. Sometimes it just clears up. You don't know why. Sometimes it returns. So it's a, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. It was more scary Friday when I was here listening to Tony talk, but now he's had two days on the field, so they're feeling better about Robert, but it is going to be another, you know, almost a full week here without him. Eloy, look, uh, Cleveland's very aggressive. They're very aggressive on the field, and and Eloy is, you know, not exactly a gold-glove outfielder, so that's the only answer I can give you. I don't think that's why he's DHing today. It's because his program calls him to get off his feet every so often as well. And um, But, look, that's going to happen when you have an aggressive team like Cleveland. They like to run and push the envelope. And there's a few teams out there. Uh, we saw a little bit of that at Houston in the playoffs. They're going to do that to the White Sox because they know they're, they're kind of susceptible to that. Right. Well, certainly it's not the reason to take him out of left field. But, you know, we've seen with his leg issue and everything, I just see him moving in the direction of being more of a reliable DH and not playing the field so much. Of course, he wants to play the field, and, and that's for Tony to, to to decide how he's going to best use him. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. They're trying to placate him a little bit. They also have a team kind of, one, full of DHs in a sense, yeah. and yeah. two, 
uh, guys that have been their legs have been hurting at times and they've needed to DH. So I get there that there being a rotation right now for Eloy, but in a perfect world, I think we'd all agree you'd want a better defensive outfield in general. Um, and Eloy would be nearly a full-time DH. But for a bunch of reasons, that's not the case right now. Maybe it will be in the future. And so, um, you know, they're going to rotate guys in and out. Like I said, like if Vaughn could play today, he'd probably be the DH to get him off his feet. Eloy would mm. be back in the outfield. But, um, you know, they've got to rotate these guys because of these leg problems. We'll let you go, Jess, but you mentioned Juan Soto, and obviously that's the, the pipe dream, or some people think it's just stupidity to even talk about it. But... If supposedly now, reportedly, the Nationals want four or five major league uh, players, young guys with uh, low contracts or prospects who are ready to, to get up to the major league level. And um, that's the minimum. Plus, you might have to take Patrick Corbin's bad contract, which has $60 million left on it. Wow. And then go ahead and pay half a billion dollars <laughs> to Juan Soto. So all that said and done, the White Sox would seem to fit the four or five MLB young players and or prospects beyond that. I don't think they're writing a check to Patrick Corbin and having him show up. So good luck. Yeah, probably not. And, and you don't have to worry about the half a billion. You just use them as a two-year rental, especially sure. for the White Sox. Yeah. There's a window here. I, 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 I mentioned this on Friday. I agree that Major League ready, Michael Kopech, Andrew Vaughn, Eloy, some combination. Okay, but I, I don't know about top tier prospects in the minors if you have to augment. Now, Look, if it's well, Kopech, if you're taking the Corbin contract, you're not getting five. Right. You might get three. Like right, exactly. So you're right. I, I I feel like St. Louis, the White Sox, and the Dodgers could give them major league players right now that wouldn't destroy their seasons, right? I don't know about the Yankees. Like, what could the Yankees give that wouldn't just be – wouldn't they ask for, like, Stanton or something? I mean, yeah. what could – Seemingly, it, it, sure. Yeah. Right. But what could the Yankees – like – that's the thing about these contenders. Like, you, yes, everybody wants Soto, but you can't rip apart the entire team, right? Now, in the White Sox case, you know, you move Vaughn, you get Soto back. He's a better hitter, so one replaces the other. Um, but you got to move probably Kopech or someone like that, and you got to replace him. I mean, I guess the Sox could do it and overcome, especially because their need is left-handed hitting. Uh, but I don't think every contender could. The Dodgers could. The Cardinals could because they have young outfielders they'd give back. I San think the Diego White Sox could. could. San Diego probably could. Yeah. It's a trick. It's a tricky deal for a contender. That, but it makes so much sense for the White Sox. You know, the Dodgers have a ten-game lead. What do they really need to take that chance? But not that it's a big chance because it's Juan Soto. The White Sox could use him to lift them yes. to division greatness and beyond. So it's almost it's almost more important for the White Sox because they could probably use a changeup in in general in the in the lineup on the field, whatever. Right? Yeah. Something's stalling them, but. To think that deal is going to get done, just it feels it feels like a fantasy. If you're if you're the White Sox, uh, well, White it's Sox fun fan. to dream, Jess. It's fun yeah. to dream. It is, and I, look, they went out and got Craig Kimbrell. I mentioned this to Han on Friday. You, you, in the post Kimbrell deal, they they explained it. Rick and Kenny went into a room, and they you know around July, whatever, and they said, "Who's the best player that we need?" And they came up with Craig Kimbrell, and he probably was the best player on the market at that position, and they got him. So it's not like they don't swing and swing big, you know. But but I think there's the key thing is there's other farm systems that are better, and if you don't want to give up three major leaguers, maybe it's three top tier minor leaguers and one or two major leaguers, and maybe the Nats go that way. I mean, we hear these reports, but we don't know exactly what they take. And that's the problem. The White Sox farm system, at least. 
through the media is ranked very low. Now, maybe in the game it's ranked higher. I don't know. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. It's, it's ranked pretty low right now. And, and that's, that's the big reason why I don't think a deal would get done. Well, thanks, Jess. We're going to let you uh, get back to preparing for the pregame. We'll see you here at 1230 on ESPN 1000, home of uh, White Sox baseball 110. First pitch, we've got Dylan Cease on the mound against Shane Bieber. Have a great day, guys. Okay. Jesse Rogers here on ESPN 1000. All right, we'll uh, be back to uh, take your phone calls, 312-332-3776. Brian also is uh, quite upset about somebody who disappointed him this past week. Right, Brian? We'll talk about that before we get yeah, out of here. it's been a rough week. I yeah. mean, Edzo, the news on Edzo comes out. And then oh, I know, to, I know. Then two days later, another gut punch. And yeah. I was just like, really? I, I, yeah. It just never ends. It seems like it just never ends. And we will uh, wrap up those Twitter polls before we get out of here at 1230 on ESPN 1000 on Twitter. We'll be right back here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Hanley and Xander here on ESPN 1000 until 1230. That's where Jesse Rogers jumps in for the pregame. 110 pitch. Guardians and White Sox at the fourth game of the series at Guaranteed Rate Field. So, Brian, you mentioned something before the break that was really upsetting this past week. And, you know, we saw it on Twitter. And, and you know, he was a guest of Waddle and Sylvie. Eddie O, I cannot believe Eddie Olchek is not going to be affiliated with the Blackhawks in the broadcast booth. No, we saw the wonderful emotional send-off that Eddie O basically emceed for Pat Foley on his final game, right? Mm-hmm. And they hit all the right notes and so well-deserved. And the, the tandem that uh, Pat and Ed, Edzo brought to us all those years, even when the games weren't good, and, and particularly when they were outstanding, um, you, were, you were riding along with, with the best broadcast team out there, right? In terms, And, and, and right, and a good broadcast team feels comfortable. It feels right. And we were spoiled for a lot of years. And now the the Blackhawks, and, and you know we, we don't have all the information, but all things uh, you know point to the fact that there was an offer on the table for Eddie, and it just wasn't good enough. And how how the uh, Blackhawks uh, uh, how how they thought that that would work out for them I, after everything, I, really? Well, after seriously, no one saw this coming. I certainly didn't. I right. uh, didn't get a hint of it from anybody. Just. When the news broke, I was like, "That can't be right." I right. mean, that can't be right. Or, yeah, I mean, it's right. just not, what what the hell happened here? He's going to Seattle now. His brother's the assistant GM out there, Rick. So God bless him. You know, he's going from Chicago to Seattle. Um, I immediately texted Edzo because um, you just said it. You know, you feel like it's comfortable. You know, whether you've ever met Pat or Edzo, or, right? Or if, both. if you're good, if if a broadcast is good at their job. Then you, you you make fans. People feel comfortable. They feel at you ease feel like when they, they hear you. you. Yeah, family. They, they, you you feel like you do know Pat, mm-hmm. and, right? Because the good ones are off the air are exactly who they are on the air. Yep. And I, I've covered. I've been around announcers who are not the same person. I've been around radio people, not the same people <laughs> that they are on the air. But the good ones, or the, the honest ones, or true to themselves ones, however you want to phrase it. And I can tell you, because I've been blessed and fortunate enough to know and, and covering the Hawks all those years, Edzo as a player and as a broadcaster, I mean, I had a front row seat watching Edzo win the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. I covered the series with the with the Devils and also Vancouver to, to win thing. And so I, I go way back with Edzo, even owned a racehorse with him. Um, so 
I'm telling you, those two guys are exactly who he saw yeah. having fun yeah. and, and sharing laughs and, and just, you know, knowing how to finish the other guy's sentence because that's, that's how special th- that team is. Yep. So I'm with you. How the Blackhawks let this get to the point where it was even a decision and, and Edzo was very emotional. You heard him with, uh, with Waddle and Sylvie yeah. saying he was very emotional. It's, it wasn't an easy decision, but the fact that it was a decision that had to be made. I mean, are you? And are he you had nuts? to make the decision, but it's only because, uh, you the know, the Blackhawks didn't do enough. Right, did not do enough. And how the Blackhawks just thought that uh, whatever they offered, he would just take because he wants to stay here and everything. That's just taking advantage of a situation. Obviously, it didn't work out. And after what happened last year with all the behind the scenes stuff and now the rebuild and fully retiring, they really couldn't afford to lose another piece of legacy. With the Chicago Blackhawks, and, and, and they did. Be, and look, and they let they leak stuff like, "Oh, we were blindsided by it." <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you know, we we thought we had an offer, a verbal agreement. I mean, I'm I'm going to err on the side of Edzo on this one. I and, am too. I am. And too. I I texted texted Edzo, and he said, "Leaving on my terms." You know, I appreciate everyone's support. Tough to do, but uh, you know, but he he's at he's at peace with the decision. Again, the fact that they. Did not do everything to make sure it was an easy decision to stick around here. Shame right. on them. Yep. Um, because yep. they don't have that kind of good grace anymore. Okay. <laughs> he just went through the the issues and the rebuild was going to be tough enough to start. And this is what I'm saying. It, it's a bit of tone deafness on yeah. their part. And this is not a new thing. No, no. They just want to, you know, they just can't get out of their own way sometimes. Right. right. Um, hey, we're going to love Edzo. He's always going to be a part of this city. He, he is a, uh, a you know, born bred in Chicago. Um, I mentioned on Twitter that I, I have never met him. We're the same age. He got his diploma from Brother Rice on the South Side. Within a mile, I got my diploma in the same year from Harold L. Richards. And wow. we know people... Sure, uh, uh, we probably been at keggers together, and I wasn't joking when I said that. I mean, keggers were all the rage in the eighties, the house you know, parties and everything. I'm well, sure we were, but we've never ever met. But we love him. He's always going to be part of uh, the Blackhawks lore in our minds, and uh, hopefully, when he's done broadcasting, you can find a way to be back with the Blackhawks, like a lot of other people have returned. But he's a talented broadcaster. He should be working. And shame on the Blackhawks for not making it work. Th- you know him to stay so and one thing about chicago mark and you know it you haven't been here forever in Mm -hmm. in your life everyone knows somebody who knows somebody right i mean it's the six degrees of being a chicagoan and you might never met edzo but like you said you know people who know edzo and he knows people who know you yep and for being a major city internationally you know top ranked city it it's a big town and it's you know a lot of a lot of big circles that intersect, and that's the beauty of living here. Even though it's awful tough sometimes, to <laughs> it is continue to especially to for us sports fans, no doubt. But that's how my week started. And when we come back after the break, yeah. uh, you're the music guy. I, I this dynamic pricing. You and, said and, you say a a gut punch. This is no. This is a kick to the crackers, my friend. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, you said it. I, I was trying to be <laughs> yeah. diplomatic. And we have a Twitter poll question out there um, at ESPN 1000, at Brian Hanley 534, at uh, Xander Rocker, one R in the middle. What's the most you ever paid for an event, whether it's a game, uh, going to your you know sports event, going to a concert, a play? And the choices are 100 to $300, 300 to $500, or you need to have your head examined if you're over half a thousand. 
Yeah, um, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Well, we'll come back in two minutes to uh, tackle this issue. On ESPN 1000 with Hanley and Xander, be right back after this. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. 